Kevin Feige joins Team Star Wars, what it means and what it doesn't. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to have a short video, but we're going to have an exciting video. I'm not sure whether I'm going to name this an extra or a numbered episode, but suffice it to say there was big news in the world of Star Wars yesterday night, very late yesterday night. And I promise you, if you love virtual legality, I'm not going to turn this into a Star Wars channel much. Uh, I obviously love the brand. I've loved Star Wars my whole life. And we just did a Star Wars episode, actually, earlier this week. Uh, but in particular, this piece of news is so critical to the Disney Star Wars films going forward. And really just an interesting wrinkle in what we have seen as kind of a corporate reorganization, a rethinking of how they are treating the Star Wars brand, which at one point was one of the most valuable brands in the world that I thought it was a very, very interesting story. Obviously, it's it's a story I'm very much in favor of, and we'll see exactly why that is as we look at the details here. Uh, but Star Wars has been important to me. The sequel trilogy hasn't worked for me. Uh, what Disney has done with Star Wars over the last seven years of ownership hasn't been working, in my opinion. Uh, and I think this is a great bit of news. So let's take a look at the Hollywood Reporter article that really broke all of this late last night uh, based apparently on a phone call that they made to Disney that they confirmed some information that the Hollywood Reporter had heard. Uh, now, this has been reported in various other places, but I always like to go to the, the first to, to break the story. And then this article has been expanded a great deal since I read it last night. And it says, Star Wars Shocker, Marvel's Kevin Feige developing new movie for Disney. Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling, and knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together, Walt Disney Studios co-chairman Alan Horn tells The Hollywood Reporter. Now, that's the short version of this quote, but there's so many interesting things to pull out of here, and I've talked about the Disney company. I've talked about publicly traded companies in virtual legality and how whatever public-facing messaging they have, it has to be very carefully considered. You want to say what you need to say. You want to say what you want to get out there to the public, but you also need to give it context. And you need to give uh, kind of the parameters for what you mean by what you say because it's going to be reported directly, and you can't present weakness. You can't present anything as a problem. This isn't a course correction. This isn't a fix because we've got a movie coming out in December, and we just had Bob Iger release a book or, or preview a book that talks about how disappointed George Lucas has been and is in the sequel trilogy. And so we don't want to say uh, that we are course correcting. We don't want to say that we're fixing major problems. But you can judge a company like this by its actions. And so this is a very interesting story. It says, to the surprise of no one, Kevin Feige is a huge Star Wars fan. It might surprise many, however, that the Marvel Studios chief is going to be developing a Star Wars movie as Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy makes new plans for a wave of projects set in the universe The Hollywood Reporter has learned. And that actual context that they give for the statement that they received from Alan Horn is interesting. Kathleen Kennedy making new plans for a wave of projects set in the universe is not exactly what I read here. So if they have additional context on background or what have you, that kind of adds to this story, and it's an, we have to keep it in mind as we read it. But when we talk about messaging, it's important to actually look at what they say and how they say it. So here's the actual full quote in the next paragraph of this article. Feige had discussed a foray into the Star Wars universe in a late summer meeting with Kennedy and studio co-chairman Alan Horn and Alan Bergman, sources say. 
actually, before we get to the quote, let's take a step back from there. Because if you're paying attention to the timeline here, they say Feige discussed this in a late summer meeting attended by the two co-chairs of the studio, Disney studio, and Kathleen Kennedy. In what capacity, we don't know. We're not told because these are internal corporate meetings. We're not going to find out uh, through a Hollywood Reporter article. But one, that's an interesting meeting to be in, right? I mean, the thing about Kevin Feige is he's had all this brilliant success with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with Marvel Studios. Uh, He has been really the shining light producer story in Hollywood for a decade now. But Kathleen Kennedy basically has the same position at Lucasfilm. She has had her creative hands on all of the projects since Disney purchased the Lucasfilm brand and Star Wars and everything else that came with it. She has had her issues with the directors that she's picked, with the directions that she's gone. She's had to replace a number of directors. Uh, And Kevin Feige coming in in the same role, and I don't care whether or not it's presented as completely collegial uh, in this context in the Hollywood Reporter article, whether they have press conferences talking about how thrilled they are to be working together. This has to be stepping on a certain amount of toes. You've got Kathleen Kennedy with a Star Wars brand that may or may not be in trouble, depending on who you ask, but certainly with a brand that had a significant drop-off in the two movies that followed The Force Awakens and Rogue One in particular. You've got a Galaxy's Edge theme park that really isn't driving the business that Disney had thought it would, although that might change when the Rise of the Resistance, their major, major ride in that land, uh, comes out. So I think everybody's holding their breath on that. But you also have to go with it merchandising issues. You've got Hasbro talking about their toy sales being down. You have Star Wars toys not flying off the shelves. Some of that is because The Last Jedi is two years old. You know, we don't need to doomsay. We don't need to to look and see only that the sky is falling on the Star Wars brand. But some of it is because it hasn't really found that passionate fan base that had buoyed the Star Wars brand not only during the years in which movies came out, but during the dark times, during the years between films. You know, I came to Star Wars. I really became a fan after Return of the Jedi had hit theaters. You know, I'm a little too young for that. I know I sound like an old guy in general, but I'm a little too young to have seen the original trilogy in the theaters, but I came to them at VHS. And during that period of time between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, you know, we started to have books in the early 90s uh, and, and I read those and we started to have PC games like Dark Forces and X-Wing and TIE Fighter and things like that. But those were dark times uh, in terms of actual movies coming out. But they were still buoyed. There were still toys. There was still at least this kind of baseline activity in Star Wars. And so I think the risk Disney has been running in its current framework is that that's been going away. You've seen that kind of shift away. And they don't want that to happen, obviously. You know, they're a corporation. They want to make sure that the goodwill stays with the brand. They want to make sure that it's properly handled. Uh, And the Kathleen Kennedy-led Lucasfilm Star Wars charge has not been as lucrative as they would have hoped. And that's not to say that it's a failure. I don't want to get into that fight on virtual legality. We can have that fight on Twitter if you like. But it's not to say it's a failure. It is to say that maybe some things need to be shaken up. And so you bring in this ultra-popular ultra-successful producer from across the hall, Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm, both owned by Disney, sister companies, subsidiaries, and you bring them in and you say, hey, let's have a meeting with the studio chiefs, with the president of Lucasfilm. Hey, he wants to do a Star Wars movie. What do you say, Kathleen? What's Kathleen Kennedy going to say? And so one does wonder exactly how that was presented. One wonders about it, especially now that we're getting to the full quote that Mr. Horn said. 
He said, in response to a query from THR, the Hollywood Reporter, which I, I did find interesting. This was not apparently a press release or anything that they had planned to say necessarily last night. Walt Disney Studios co-chairman and chief creative officer Horn said, we are excited about the projects Kathy and the Lucasfilm team are working on, not only in terms of Star Wars. Pause. So the very first thing he says about current Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy is we're not just excited about Star Wars. We're excited about other stuff. Don't necessarily think of Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm as only the Star Wars company. He continues, but also Indiana Jones and reaching into other parts of the company, including Children of Blood and Bone with Emma Watson Fox. Look, I have been hard on Kathleen Kennedy and how she has handled the Star Wars universe in Lucasfilm. That is completely separate from the fact that she is clearly a very experienced, excellent producer of films. She can get films made. She knows how to do that. She has been a producer of some of the most popular films of all time. It might just be that Star Wars as a brand is not a perfect fit for her creative skills. And so you see Alan Horn here say, hey, we're not just excited about Kathleen Kennedy in Star Wars. She's going to be president of Lucasfilm. This whole arrangement isn't going to change that. But we're not just excited about her in Star Wars. Let's put that in a bucket for a second. Look, we've got Indiana Jones, which is a completely different feeling property. And we've got this other thing, Children of Blood and Bone, which I don't know anything about, honestly, but which has a different sensibility than Star Wars, I would be willing to guess. And think about Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm doing those. They say, with the close of the Skywalker saga, this is the going forward with the quote, and it's exactly what they put in the, the main slug line for this article. Kathy is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling. Again, pause. So we've got episode nine, it comes out. We are going to be done with the Skywalkers. We're going to be done with the grand mythology, Campbellian heroes arc journey through Star Wars. We want to do other stuff. She's embarking on a new era of Star Wars storytelling, which I think can be read to mean we're going to open this thing up at Disney. We're going to do a whole bunch of different stuff with Star Wars. We don't know what that is yet, honestly, because Bob Iger has said, we think we came out too fast. The Star Wars story stuff wasn't working. In some respects, the sequel trilogy stuff wasn't working. We caused people to go too fast on their scripts, which is what we saw him describe in his book about this whole situation. We saw that George Lucas has been disappointed and has not been a part of this process until very recently. We have seen him with photos and other participation in respect to The Mandalorian and on episode nine now. So they're pr trying to bring George Lucas back into the fold, make him happy. And so she's going to do a new era of Star Wars storytelling as president of Lucasfilm. But one strongly suspects from this quote as not the sole creative force uh, behind Star Wars. We're going to have creative people that are there. If you're familiar, The Mandalorian is run by Jon Favreau who was one of the original creative forces of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He helped create the style and tone of the Marvel House movie, as well as the style and tone of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. He was the director on Iron Man, the original movie in 2008. So on The Mandalorian, you've got Jon Favreau. Now you're Kathleen Kennedy and you're Lucasfilm. You're sitting in a room where they're telling you Kevin Feige is going to work on a Star Wars movie. So you've got the head of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe going to do Star Wars. You're surrounded on both sides by Marvel Cinematic Universe people. And I think you know that. You say, okay, fine. Um, maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't if you're Kathleen Kennedy. I can't read people's minds and I wasn't in the room. But... I want to make sure that I'm still president of Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm has a lot of other assets. So Lucasfilm's going to work on this other thing across Disney and they're also going to work on trying to figure out and produce an Indiana Jones movie. But 
while we pursue this new era in Star Wars storytelling, whether that's Benioff and Weiss's movies ever coming to fruition, whether that's Ryan Johnson's movies ever coming to fruition, we want Kevin Feige involved. They say, knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together. And you say, yeah, okay, maybe it does. <laughs> Uh, there can't really be two strong creative producers on a movie. You look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, and you look at the Sony movies. Let's take Spider-Man Far From Home. And we're going to talk about Spider-Man in just a second, believe me. But you take Spider-Man Far From Home and it's got two producers, two primary producers. It's got Kevin Feige and it's got Amy Pascal. I don't think anybody really truly believes that Amy Pascal was the driving creative force between uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. They feel too different from the films that she's put out there, and they have that Kevin Feige touch. I would strongly suspect that whatever Kevin Feige puts together in terms of the Star Wars universe, it would feel like he had devoted his time and resources to it and not so much feel like the sequel trilogy or the current Rogue One and Solo Star Wars stories. I suspect it would feel very, very different, and I think that's what you're seeing. Even if we assume Ryan Johnson and Benioff and Weiss get their movies, you've got three wildly different kind of approaches to, to filmic storytelling. Giving everybody the full benefit of the doubt, Ryan Johnson is kind of an indie auteur that is dedicated to exploring dark psychology. Benioff and Weiss are ostensibly, depending on how you feel about Game of Thrones, check out Hoglaw's Postmortems on the final season if you're interested, uh, are ostensibly good at building large mythologies and historical structures with multiple character lines and plot lines that go across a long period of time. And then you've got Kevin Feige that basically invented the cross-character movie contract where you can have characters pop in for five-minute cameos to establish a universe and then have them all come together in some kind of big grand event. And certainly from my perspective as a Star Wars fan, that kind of concepting, if you imagine, not that we know these characters, but if you imagine that you just set something in 10 years in the future of the Star Wars universe and you have a hero movie about a smuggler and a hero movie about someone training to be a Jedi and a hero movie about someone doing something else and have them come together uh, and cross paths and, and really set up a kind of dense mythology, which is something that you saw a little bit of in the expanded universe book lines that were really popular throughout the 90s and early 2000s, then you could build something like the MCU out of Star Wars without being bound to the trilogy format. And that might be what they are looking to have Kevin Feige do. It really depends on whether this is a lark for him. He wants to do a one-off because, hey, I get to play in the Star Wars universe. Or whether this is something more of a test run about whether or not Kevin Feige can have more creative control at Star Wars, help Star Wars and Lucasfilm out as a brand, and most importantly to Disney, not kill the golden goose over at Marvel, right? Kevin Feige's primary role has to be to make sure that the Marvel Cinematic Universe keeps humming. And this, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is a period of transition. It's an interesting one because they just had Endgame. They just had the, all the successes with the Infinity Saga. But it's a good jumping off point. We talked about that in our postmortem on Avengers Endgame. People can jump off here. They were nice. Disney was good and finished that story. And if people want to jump off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, now is the time. And so you're going to have to win certain amount of people back in order to keep participating in those movies. And Kevin Feige has to be a part of that. So it's interesting to see this transition. I also mentioned that I would mention Spider-Man Far From Home because if you are following the timeline and you see that they had that meeting in the late summer, you know that is when the news broke that Spider-Man would be leaving Disney to go to Sony with Sony continuing to beat the drum that the reason that this was happening was that Kevin Feige was too busy. Now, is that the truth? Is it because Kevin Feige is too busy only on X-Men and some of the other stuff that he's integrating into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? 
did Sony have an inkling that this meeting was happening with respect to Star Wars? Or did this meeting actually foment Disney saying, all right, well, if Kevin's going to try to help the Star Wars brand while maintaining the Marvel Cinematic Universe brand, and we want to spend him on helping Sony make a movie, we're going to need a much bigger cut because he might break down on, uh, under all this pressure. Could that actually have been a legitimate excuse? People are reading it different ways. I'm seeing a lot of tweets on my social media that say, he quit Spider-Man because he was too busy and now he's working on Star Wars. But that was always Sony's tale. That was always Sony saying that Kevin Feige was too busy. Disney, if you go back and you look at their comments, said Kevin Feige would love to keep working with Spider-Man, but it's just the businesses that have to work out the terms. And that might still be the case. But it's, it's no coincidence in my mind that all of that was happening at the same time that Kevin Feige was meeting with the heads of the studio and either telling them or being told that he wanted to do a Star Wars movie and that Kathleen Kennedy was going to be okay with that. Continuing with the Hollywood Reporter's analysis here, some see this move as a prelude to a larger role for Feige within Lucasfilm, while others say it merely reflects the Marvel executive's passion for the franchise. That's the key question, right? Is this going to be a shift? Is this just going to be a one-off for Kevin Feige? I think to a great extent, it depends on how it all works out. Right? This is essentially a trial run. Can Kathleen Kennedy be president of Lucasfilm and have a strong creative producer making a movie that, in all honesty, there's no way she's going to have total control over? So is that going to work out? Are they going to work together smoothly? And ultimately, the most important question whenever you're having these discussions, is the Feige Star Wars movie going to make a boatload of money? Because if it does make a boatload of money and it didn't work out very smoothly, then you start to make changes. If it worked out smoothly and it didn't make money, okay, it was a one-off, Kevin Feige goes back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and if it works smoothly, and it makes a lot of money, Disney's thrilled. Kathleen gets to stay, Kevin gets to stay in Star Wars, he also works on Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think if you're a corporation and you're looking at this, you gotta take the variables in hand, and you have to start playing the hand you're dealt, but you don't know what that hand is yet. So, could it be something bigger? abso freaking -lutely. Does it mean it is something bigger? No, not a chance. You don't make those decisions right now. You see how everything goes first. It says a top Disney source says Kennedy remains in charge with no plans for any changes. No surprise there. One knowledgeable source says Feige has told a major actor that there's a specific role he would like that person to play if and when he makes the movie. Now that's very interesting in and of itself, right? At least at the start of this article, you hear a kind of, uh, oh, we're just chatting. Kevin wants to be involved in Star Wars. What do you think, Kathleen? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. He's going to do some Star Wars stuff. This sounds much closer to Kevin Feige has a plan, and he knows what he wants to make in the Star Wars universe. He's talked to an actor about what role they'll play. Now that he's in, uh, he's going to make that movie, and he's he's got something that he knows what he wants to do with going forward. And again, that doesn't surprise because what Kevin Feige has done, the, the real genius behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is being able to film, produce, write, three movies, four movies, five movies at a time. And that's what's really been a major struggle with Star Wars and Lucasfilm, is that having this kind of disconnected break between J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, and then back to J.J. Abrams, and not have the plots work together, not have the movies mesh, uh, is really uh, the kind of thing that Kevin Feige can absolutely help with. So it's no surprise that when he says, oh, I know an actor, I know the role that I want them to play, that he has been thinking about this and knows what it would look like three, four, five years down the line, because that's how he's operated the MCU. And that is distinct from how Star Wars has operated. And that's not to disparage anyone that's currently working at Lucasfilm or working on the Star Wars brand. It's just not how they've operated. And I think Kevin Feige's unique genius on this kind of thing, and you really haven't seen it matched by any peer in Hollywood right now, 
is the kind of thing that could really help Star Wars, especially if at some point Bob Iger or his successor wants to wrap up, ramp up production, wants more Star Wars films to be in more theaters. And if you're Disney, that's the ideal solve, right? If you can avoid this kind of notion of Star Wars fatigue, if you can get that brand in theaters two, three times a year, or even once a year at this point, that is a, a better situation. It is making more money for the company. Hopefully it's making audience members more happy than they are right now. They do say in The Hollywood Reporter, and I found this interesting because you do have a lot of people denying this kind of thing uh, in various Hollywood media outlets. We talked about it earlier this week, is saying that this move uh, and, and episode nine is also meant to win back fans after the last sequel trilogy, The Last Jedi, divided audiences, even though reviews were largely positive and the film grossed $1.3 billion worldwide, which was $700 million less than The Force Awakens. It's interesting to see that acknowledgement here. Uh, one does wonder whether the Bob Iger book coming out moves like this. Disney just generally being less of a, uh, everything's all right, don't ask us questions about the Star Wars brand, we're doing fine here, how are you? Whether the doors have opened a little bit and places like The Hollywood Reporter have tacit permission to say, hey, I think even Disney can agree, The Last Jedi didn't go exactly as they wanted. Uh, and you see this line here in a major uh, kind of media-sourced journalistic uh, article, and that, that is interesting. Um, so that's what I wanted to say from The Hollywood Reporter. I also wanted to point out a few things from the kind of Vanity Fair coverage of this. This is obviously a huge news story in Hollywood uh, and Star Wars and the MCU. They did a few things. They cover a, a bit and pieces of the Kevin Feige story, who he is, how he's helped the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, do what it does. And they have a few kind of comments just editorially about what this means for Star Wars, which I found interesting. They say, but be wary of any claim that Feige has come in to fix any issue at Lucasfilm. Both Feige and Kennedy have had to deal with upheaval on some projects, sometimes replacing filmmakers when creative disagreements have become insurmountable. Now that's true. That sentence is true in totality, insofar as if you're following the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige had to uh, change the director of Ant-Man uh, as a for instance, primarily because that movie took so long percolating that by the time it was being made, it no longer fit in what, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe was doing. So they had to replace uh, Edgar Wright with Peyton Reed uh, and go forward with the Ant-Man franchise with a different kind of feel. So he has done that before. And obviously there's the James Gunn controversy with his tweets and whether or not he's on Guardians of the Galaxy 2. and uh, Now he's on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, but right now, uh, having this sentence just say that is a little bit disingenuous, right? Kathleen Kennedy has replaced or had friction or issues with almost every director and writing team that she has put together. Michael Arndt was originally supposed to write the sequels. He was kicked off to start. J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan come in. There's stories of friction all around The Force Awakens, a lot of which has to do with timing because they had such a short time period to make that movie. Then you have Rogue One with Gareth, William, uh, Gareth Edwards being replaced by, I think, Tony Gilroy uh, clandestinely because the ending doesn't work and having all these reshoots and multiple millions of dollars spent there. You obviously have the problems with Solo and you have Lord and Miller being kicked off after 90% of filming is completed and having Ron Howard come in, which is doubling the budget of making the film. You have Ryan Johnson, smooth as silk. No, no messages of friction anywhere except that the film came out and you've got a few problems with the fan base, whether that's a vocal minority or a majority is for a different time. But there are a number of people that are upset with what that product did, what it did to the Star Wars universe. I'm one of them, frankly. I don't hide that. But 
that was an issue in and of itself. Then you had Colin Tre- Trevorrow writing episode nine, having a falling out with friction in respect of Ryan Johnson and Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill and all these other things. He gets replaced by J.J. Abrams with a lot of rumors that that was over Kathleen Kennedy's head. You have all this stuff happening in Star Wars in a seven-year period. And to compare that and just say that, yes, Kevin Feige's dealt with those issues as well, is a little bit disingenuous. By comparison to Lucasfilm, the Marvel Studios brand and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which released 23 films or what have you, is a smooth, oiled machine. And so he is being brought in to at least offer creative assistance on how the production should look, how to get the factory churning out the widgets. And I think there's no question about that. It is fair to say he has also dealt with issues with production and directors and writers. They are not anywhere near the same level as what Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy has dealt with since 2012. Vanity Fair continues, maybe there is a longer-term partnership to be forged here, but anyone who knows Feige is aware that his success as a producer comes from making dense genre mythology accessible to mass audiences. He began his career as an assistant who offered valuable notes in meetings about the early 2000s X-Men movies and Spider-Man because he had immersed himself in the comic book source material. Taking a pause, they see that as a but- Maybe there's a long-term partnership, but this is what Feige does. I don't see that as a but at all. As a matter of fact, everything that has ever been said about Kevin Feige is that he really is a huge, huge Star Wars fan, going so far as to have him describe various bits of the expanded universe, the books and things of that nature. So if he views it the same way, the expanded universe especially, as conceptually a place to mine ideas from, as he has done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe— I don't think there is anything that needs to change about what he does in terms of plotting out what the movies are going to be, what the studio should be focused on that is different from from what he has done in the past. So I think he can do this with what he has done uh, before. And I I also thought it was interesting to see that it was his note-taking in the early X-Men movies and Spider-Man movies that got him the attention of the higher-ups, that got him into the roles uh, that he was doing, because I think if anything... Uh, The Star Wars universe needs that note-taking. It needs that attention to detail. It needs that world-building. It needs to feel like a place that's important, that has stakes, uh, that you can live in, and that has a life outside of the four corners of the movie screen or the four four corners of the page of a book or a comic book, and that that's what really Star Wars was for a very long time and has been lacking in the Disney era of Star Wars. And if that's what Kevin Feige brings to the table, if nothing else, I think it's a big win for Disney. The final of this article says the Marvel Cinematic Universe was built on the untested and risky proposition that moviegoers would love to see interlocked stories with characters who crossed orbits and turned up in each other's narratives. It's a structure Star Wars has tried to adopt with its mix of saga films, standalone one-offs like Rogue One and Solo, and now its streaming shows. I think pausing there, it's not actually one that it has tried to adopt as much as it has aspired to. I think the Star Wars stories could have been that. They weren't. They were actually all looking into the past. You've got a Solo prequel. You've got a Rogue One prequel. But I do think you could have built something that had essentially a cell of resistance fighters that could then pop up in various places to be the resistance fighters that are working with the saga films in Episode Nine or something along those lines. That didn't happen. I think there was probably aspirations to have that happen, but it didn't happen. And now... Uh, It's streaming shows, as discussed here, again, all looking to the past. Mandalorian looking to the past. Obi-Wan Kenobi series looking to the past. I don't think you have seen Star Wars really start to mine 
the possibilities of an interconnected universe in the same way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has. When you see those shows announced for Disney+, Plus, the Loki show, the Wanda and Vision show, the Captain America uh, slash uh, Falcon show, and things of those nature, then you see that interconnectedness. You see why people would be interested if they're following the Marvel Cinematic Universe to follow those things versus the Disney Star Wars approach has been, hey, if you want some background on these characters you already know or that are dead at this point in time, check out these movies or series. That's a different approach. And I think Kevin Feige being brought in to kind of talk about those issues is, again, something that makes a whole lot of sense. And Vanity Fair finishes off their article by saying, it makes sense that the company would partner with the producer who originated the technique, especially since he drew so much inspiration from Lucasfilm's history in the first place. And I think that history really does go towards the expanded universe, having people bounce around the Star Wars universe in the books and the comic books and the video games, and how that worked to create a universe that people loved in the 90s and the 2000s when there wasn't really necessarily a lot of Star Wars to hang your hat on. And so I do think it's a very, very interesting story. I think Kevin Feige coming in is not going to be as smooth as The Hollywood Reporter and Vanity Fair and others at Disney would have you believe. I think this is a movement at Disney to address an issue. I don't think that means Kathleen Kennedy has to go anywhere. I don't think that means that she should necessarily go anywhere. I think she can produce movies and has a history of producing good movies. But I do think they're essentially saying, okay, let's have your Lucasfilm focus on non-Star Wars stuff. Uh, because at bare minimum, rightly or wrongly, your name, Ryan Johnson's name, some of the stuff associated with the sequel trilogy and the current state of Star Wars, we do think is having a negative depressive effect on people being willing to invest in the Star Wars brand. So we need Indiana Jones anyway. That was the other pillar of Lucasfilm. Uh, let's get you started on working on that. And when I make this statement to The Hollywood Reporter, the very first thing I'm going to mention about you is that, hey, it's not just about Star Wars for you. You're also working about Indiana Jones and other things across the Disney studios. So I think what you see here right now is an interesting step. Could it turn into nothing? Could it turn into a one-off movie that Kevin Feige makes and then goes back to Marvel Land? Absolutely. But don't be surprised if that movie is a massive, massive success. And if it is a massive, massive success that Kevin Feige, John Favreau, other components of the Marvel Cinematic Universe start seeing what they can't do with Star Wars, one of the most valuable brands in the world. Thank you so much for watching and checking this out. If you like this, please like, please subscribe. This has been Virtual Legality Today. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it on a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.